Paul DeYoung, you are the San Francisco Giants shortstop. Kyle Harrison, you are going to take the mound tonight to make your major league debut. And hey, the Giants need you to perform well because this team is in a playoff hunt, but they're not playing well and you need to provide a spark. So a lot going on with the Giants coming into today. You are Locked On Giants, your daily San Francisco Giants podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. My name is Ben Kaspik, and on this show, we provide daily episodes Monday through Friday, talking about the San Francisco Giants in a way that's data-driven and rational, but also simple, passionate, and accessible to all. I'm a former contributor for the baseball statistics and analysis websites Beyond the Box Score and Rotographs. I've been podcasting about the Giants since 2015, and I'm a lifelong fan. Thank you for making Locked on Giants your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get podcasts, including YouTube. Check us out there and please hit that subscribe button wherever it is that you're listening. Also, go to birddogs.com slash locked on MLB or enter promo code locked on MLB for a free white tech hat, which I'm pointing to on YouTube with any order. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. And coming up on today's show, like I said, Paul DeYoung, you are a San Francisco giant. This is a funny story, how this all played out. Basically, he was one of the guys around the trade deadline uh, where there was a lot of speculation that he could be a fit for the Giants. And my ultimate takeaway was that it wasn't worth giving up much to get this guy. I'm going to be clear. That was my takeaway. And the Blue Jays, I don't know exactly what I didn't study. I read it at the time, but I forget. And I also don't know every single Blue Jays prospect, but I'm sure they didn't give up too much to get Paul DeYoung, but they gave up something to get him. And what did Paul DeYoung do? He went to Toronto and he stunk like he was terrible and they DFA'd him and he went unclaimed. And by going unclaimed, that largely has to do with the fact that he's owed money. You know, he's under contract for this season. His he he's making in total a guaranteed nine point two million dollars this year, and so with about twenty five percent of the season remaining, nine point two million times point two five is about two point three million dollars. So no team thought he was worth spending $2.3 million on, which is telling. So, you know, we're not getting a superstar here. But he clears waivers, and the Blue Jays released him, and the Giants pick him up to a major league contract. And so because he's already on a guaranteed contract that the Blue Jays, I believe, are the team that is now paying, Giants have to only pay him the prorated portion of the major league minimum. So instead of $2.3 million, they'd be paying them like $200,000, you know, huge difference, like 10 times less. And it's not all about the money. It's just, what is the player worth? And so financials aside, what does this mean? Paul DeYoung is a shortstop. Currently, I think I was just talking about this yesterday. The shortstop position for the Giants is very unstable right now. 
Even when Crawford is healthy, he's not playing well at all, especially at the plate. Like, and I said, I think I said this yesterday. I'm not trying to be hard on the guy. I love the guy. He's a legend, forever giant. That term gets overused by a lot, but he actually is one. And I mean, literally, he spent his whole career with the Giants, but he's not hitting a lick. And the defense has been pretty good, but not what it was when he was at his peak, which is to be expected for a guy who's, you know, 36, I believe he is now. And so for DeYoung, what you're getting here is just like competence and a major league caliber shortstop, especially defensively. The bat is the bigger question because he's been so up and down with the bat in the course of his career. Overall, he's been close to league average offensively in his career with kind of his best strength being power. He's hit 19 plus home runs four times in his career, spanning not that many seasons, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, including a 60 game season. So really six full seasons and he's hit 19 plus home runs four times. And he may get there again this year. He has 13 already, even though he's only played in 94 games this season. But defensively, as a shortstop, we're talking about a guy, let me just give you the last three years, by defensive runs saved. In 2021, six defensive runs saved. By the way, this is eye-popping. Going back to 2019, 24 defensive runs saved at shortstop, which is bonkers so but in 2021 six defensive runs saved in 2022 five defensive runs saved this year they have him at zero defensive runs saved to be fair but like I never like to look at just one of these metrics I like to look at them all and see if they agree disagree whatever so how about outs above average by outs above average in 2021 plus four outs above average 2022 plus five outs above average and and this year in 2023 plus seven outs above average so if we were to go over to his baseball savant page and look at you know the little blue and red dots and see the percentile rankings they've got him at 94th percentile outs above average this season as a shortstop i'm not sure he's ever played a position other than shortstop he has he has 165 innings at second base, played seven innings there in 2022, 158 innings there in 2017. So he's he's just a pure shortstop. And he's only 30 years old. He just turned 30. So we're talking about a guy who was literally in his 20s this month. So he's not old. And the the bat is the biggest question but he's a major leaguer. Like he's a veteran. He's a he's just a guy. You know, you look at Johan Camargo, also kind of sort of a major leaguer and a veteran, but less of a track record for sure than Paul DeYoung. And additionally, additionally, we we look at okay, what has Paul DeYoung done offensively? What's odd to me is that he does seem to be a guy who has legitimate reverse splits. In his major league career, he's got a 97 weighted runs created plus against right-handed pitching, which, you know, is his when he does not have the platoon advantage. He's been about league average offensively. 
and that we're spanning 2,000 plus plate appearances here against left-handed pitching in his career in 614 plate appearances. There are fewer lefties out there. He's got an 86 weighted runs created plus. So legitimately over the course of a pretty long career, he he has been better against same-handed pitching, which is a little bit odd. Camargo's been better against left-handed pitching. And so you could form a weird platoon there where DeYoung's starting against righties and Camargo against lefties. I'm not super high on the idea of just like Camargo being a huge part of this team moving forward. He's kind of a stopgap while Crawford is injured, but they don't have a lot of coverage beyond that. And so Paul DeYoung is just such a logical fit, especially after he was cut loose by the Blue Jays. To me, he just wasn't a guy worth giving up what the Cardinals seemingly wanted for him. But when you can just get him for whatever, you know, a prorated portion of the major league minimum, then that's a no-brainer given where the Giants are and given that Crawford just went on the IL. When I was saying don't give up much for this guy, Crawford was playing and yes, not playing well, but like I just didn't see DeYoung as enough of an upgrade over Crawford, but he's certainly enough of an upgrade over a team that doesn't have Crawford anymore right now. So the last thing to note that I find interesting about DeYoung is the contract. And this is one area where I actually don't totally understand how it works. I really want to, and I'm going to figure it out, and I'll tell you as soon as I do. But Paul DeYoung, like I said, he's making $9.2 million this year, no matter what. Almost none of it coming from the Giants. But what I don't understand, he's got a $12.5 million club option for next year and a $15 million club option for 2025. These club options come with buyouts, a $2 million buyout on the $12.5 million club option for next year. So that would make it a $10.5 million decision. And so as I've said repeatedly all season long, the Giants do not have a clear shortstop plan going into 2024. And so to have DeYoung as a possibility, I believe the Giants will have the right to exercise that option if they want to. I'm a little confused on if they would be paying the whole thing or if they would just be paying the the league minimum salary. The, the whole thing, no, just the league minimum salary and then whatever team, I guess the Blue Jays paying the rest. So I'm... I'm assuming the Blue Jays wouldn't be on the hook for all that. Otherwise, they wouldn't have DFA'd him. But I will find out and I will get back to you. But I would expect this guy to basically start all the time for the Giants. I would be a little surprised if he doesn't. And when Crawford comes back, it'll be interesting. But it's nice to have a veteran player who, at the very least, is going to give you really good defense at the shortstop position. So anyway, coming up in just a minute, turning our attention to another player who is going to need to give the Giants a boost. And that's Kyle Harrison, who's going to make his major league debut in a matter of hours against the St. Louis Cardinals. So we will get you set for that matchup and that debut in just a minute. But before we do, this episode is brought to you by 
bird dogs. I have never had a pair of shorts that made me look good while also being so comfortable until I got a pair of bird dogs. Bird dogs make you look good. They are stretch khaki shorts designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. They fit like a dream. Bird Dogs invented cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but stretches so you get a way similar fit without having to sacrifice movement. And I mean, seriously, who wants to wear normal khakis? They're so stiff. Maybe they look good, but... They certainly don't feel good. Bird dogs, best of both worlds. Look good, feel good. That's what it's all about to me. I've got to, I've got to be comfortable. I'm sorry. So bird dogs are a dream come true. They also use anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. You can seriously go from the couch to the golf course to a night out all with the same pair of bird dogs on. These are the most comfortable pair of shorts I've ever owned. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on MLB or enter uh, promo code locked on MLB for a free white tech hat with your order, which I'm wearing right now. It's one of my favorite hats. I really like the way it fits and looks. That's birddogs.com slash locked on MLB or promo code locked on MLB for a free this one white tech hat. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. Alrighty, as promised, Kyle Harrison. This is amazingly not the lead today. It was the lead yesterday, and I'm basically going to say some of the same thing, so I didn't want to duplicate it there, but today's the day. This kid is going to make his Major League debut, and how he performs for the rest of the season, possibly even into October, is potentially going to have a large say on how it all plays out for the Giants this season. Thanks again for making Lockdown Giants your first listen every day. Every day is tomorrow. Oh yeah, we're going to be breaking down Kyle Harrison's major league debut. Also, the roster moves that get made to get both Harrison and DeYoung onto the roster. Those are both going to require 40-man moves in addition to, of course, needing to clear two spots on the 26-man roster. So it's going to be a busy episode and a fun one tomorrow. Giants play the Phillies tonight at 3.40 Pacific, and you can catch every pitch of the Giants' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Search Giants. So yes, the long-anticipated debut of Kyle Harrison, whom many consider... If not the best pitching prospect in baseball, certainly the best left-handed pitching prospect in baseball. Certain publications maybe have him like as the second best left-handed pitching prospect prospect, but you know, MLB Pipeline I think has him I for uh, they've bounced him around in their recent rankings, but you know, certainly a top 20 prospect in baseball and at certain points near the top 10 certain publications have them inside the top 10 and so yeah this is the most highly anticipated pitching debut for the Giants probably since Madison Bumgarner as I said yesterday he's not really similar to Madison Bumgarner as a pitcher in terms of what kind of results you're gonna see like Kyle Harrison is more like a left-handed Tim Lincecum in terms of the strikeout ability and just the ability to overpower hitters 
The key is going to be throwing strikes. And this is his major league debut. And it is common when you're nervous. Like, it's so common when you're nervous making a debut, opening day, or whatever. You get nerves. And then what do you lose? Command. Like, try to be really nervous and then do something physically, athletically. It's like impossible. You got to be loose and relaxed. And so it's entirely possible that Kyle Harrison has a bad start tonight. I just want to throw that out there. And will it mean like almost anything at all? No, as long, I mean, these games matter a lot. So if they lose, then yeah, it matters in terms of losing a game. But in terms of his long-term outlook, as long as he comes out of the outing healthy, then it kind of doesn't matter how it goes. But of course, we hope that he dominates. And I wouldn't expect him to pitch deep into games. I think he's never or once pitched past the fifth inning this year, or maybe even into the fifth inning this year. I'd have to look. But um, their philosophy, and they say that they have the data to kind of back this up is that one of the best ways to prevent pitcher injuries is to build them up slowly. And that is what they did this year. Meaning like, you know, for his first four starts, we're talking, I don't remember exactly what it was, but it's like a 25 pitch limit. And then his next four starts, like a 60 pitch limit or even like a 40 pitch limit. And then his next four starts, like a 60 pitch limit. So it really, slow buildup and he then had a hamstring injury right before they were going to call him up hurt his hamstring around the 4th of July and it kept him out of action for a few weeks and so then when he returned it's not like he just jumps back up to where he had built slowly built himself up to before that point they kind of started over and so he had a couple outings where he was pulled with like fewer than 40 pitches but his most recent outing, I think he went somewhere between 50 and 60. So anyway, don't expect this guy to pitch a complete game for sure. I mean, if you get, I'm expecting like if he pitches well, you know, like four innings and if he struggles, you know, he could be pulled in the first because if you just can't throw a strike, then who knows? And so I, I, I feel for the kid. It's, you know, it's, he's just got to get it out of the way. And hopefully he can just continue to do what he did in his last two outings in Sacramento when he did not walk a single batter and he struck out 11. So walks have been the issue for him. When he doesn't walk people, he's overpowering and dominant. We'll see if that translates to the major leagues. He's got a funky delivery. It's obviously a left handed delivery. I kind of, call it a cross between Carlos Rodon and Chris Sale. Uh, yeah, that's kind of what I see. But I'm not saying he's Carlos Rodon and Chris Sale. Let's let the kid uh, be just Kyle Harrison. But I don't know. He's so important to the present and the future of this franchise. And so I couldn't be more excited. And we're just hours away from getting to witness this. But again, again you heard me already, but just... If he struggles, that's okay, and he'll hopefully make his next turn in the rotation and and be a little calmer and and be better at throwing strikes. But that'll be the key for him: is he pounding the zone or is he not? And if he's pounding the zone, it's a it's a nasty fastball that gets a ton of swings and misses and has tons of life to it. It's a good slider. 
sweeper and also a shorter, tighter slider cutter thing. And he also mixes it in a changeup from time to time. But really, it's the slider and the fastball. I guess the slider being the sweeper. I think he added the cutter thing. So I don't know exactly how you classify the pitches, but yeah. It is what it is, and and he has the potential to be an overpowering arm. And here he is arriving in the major league. So I look forward to it, and the Giants need the help. They need the help because last night they played like... I don't know what word to use that would be appropriate on this podcast, to be honest with you. They did not play their best game. It was sloppy in every way. So coming up in just a minute, we're going to discuss... What was sloppy about it? I also want to make a little bit of a prediction about what roster moves the Giants will make. They have to make some significant roster moves today to get these two guys, DeYoung and Harrison, onto the roster. And we'll get into the sloppiness of last night and where it leaves them and how their playoff odds are slipping. And so this is a critical juncture of the season. So all of that in just a minute. And before we get into it, All right, as promised, so much to get into. The sloppiness of last night, the playoff odds that are slipping fast, and maybe some guesses as to the roster moves the Giants will make to get these two new players onto the roster. Thanks again for making Lockdown Giants your first listen every day, every day or tomorrow. Oh yeah, Kyle Harrison making his Major League debut and the Giants needing a win. The Giants play the Phillies tonight at 3.40 Pacific. You can catch every pitch of the Giants' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app search Giants. So, so much went wrong yesterday. It started off with Tyro Estrada not being able to play because he was once again hit in the arm, the wrist, by a pitch, which just ticks me off. He just came off the injured list recently, and he was getting his swing going. He was performing well. He was getting into a groove, and then who was it? Adam Adovino hit him the first time. I'm blanking on who it was the second time, but come on. Get a grip on the, on the strike zone. I almost lost my language again there. Today is just a rough day for me in that regard, but Kyle, uh, without Tyro Estrada, the lineup looks a heck of a lot different. Like the, And that's why a Paul DeYoung really lengthens it out because he's a major leaguer. And, you know, all due respect to like Casey Schmidt, who is really good defensively, you're not always getting good at bats from Casey Schmidt. And I just think you're getting a little more certainty with a DeYoung being in the mix there. But hopefully the x-rays were negative or clean on... Estrada, so hopefully he can come back and play. And also, like the Giants completely blew a first inning opportunity, which they've done way too much. Not in, not, I'm not saying in the first inning way too much. I'm saying they already had a run on the board, one nothing Giants on a Jock Peterson home run. And then they proceeded to load the bases after that. So they had Aaron Nola on the ropes completely. One out, bases loaded. Johan Camargo, once again, kind of just a guy you don't necessarily want up in that situation. Uh, And like maybe it's Tyro Estrada. I don't know if they would have hit Estrada sixth or whatever where Camargo was. But regardless, it was Camargo. And he hit into a double play, a one, two, three double play. 
pitcher, catcher, first baseman. And that just like killed the game basically for the Giants. Of course, they could have continued to threaten and put up more runs and they did eventually score four thanks in large part to a very wild inning by the Phillies pitcher in the ninth but they I mean imagine if Camargo hits a ball in the gap there or even just a single or a sack fly and then the next hitter hits a single like you could have just put the Phillies in a big hole but instead I mean it's I I'm not a big like Usually I'm all about numbers and some of you give me grief about it in the comments, like, duh, you're all about numbers. But I also believe like the momentum of the Phillies getting out of that with only allowing the one run is huge. And it makes them, instead of doubting themselves and feeling like, oh man, we're probably going to lose this game. Instead, they're like one run, no problem. We're going to, we're going to come back and win. And when they did, and it was just ugly defensively, Wade Meckler made a horrible play a couple of times. Just people just dropping the ball like when it's right there on the ground sitting next to them or like clanking off their glove. We had Elliot Ramos have a ball clank off his glove the other day on just kind of routine balls hit to the outfield. And Wade Meckler, same thing, allowed Trey Turner to turn a single into a double. And then there was a play by Meckler that allowed Harper to hit an inside-the-park home run, which, in my opinion, that is one of the worst official scoring rulings I've ever seen. That was such a clear. There was there were multiple errors on that play, but you've got to give him a. You've got to give him one. Give Harper the triple. But Meckler not only took a route that enabled didn't allow him to play the ball off the wall well, which, by the way, where was Michael Conforto, the right fielder, uh, once the ball hit off that wall? It's angled such such that if it hits that wall, it's going to kick way back towards right field. And I didn't see Conforto ever get there, and Meckler had to run a long way to get after it. But then once he got there, he's trying to pick up the ball just that's sitting on the ground, and he dropped it he went to pick it up dropped it went to pick it up again dropped it finally picked it up threw it in and Harper had scored by that point so I'm not trying to be hard on Meckler it is tough to I mean he has had such a fast rise he was drafted last year and so the the lights are bright and I don't judge players based on a few games that they've made their in you know after which they've made their major league debut but it was hard to watch obviously and the Giants lost the game obviously and their position in the standings is precarious like they they've had I've kept saying they're still in a solid position but like they're in jeopardy of falling out of a good position and being a team on the outside looking in and having to fight to get their way back into a playoff spot they're only five games over 500. Their run differential is only plus two, meaning they've just barely outscored their opponents on the year, which is indicative really of more like a 500 team, which is what they were last year, which is depressing that that's where they are right now. But they have a half game lead over the D-backs. The Giants are the third wild card team right now, and they only have a half game lead over the team behind them, the D-backs. They only have a one-game lead over the team that's 
two teams behind them in Cincinnati, and they have a one and a half game lead over the Marlins, and then the Padres are five and a half back. So, you know, I'm scoreboard watching big time. The Cubs have passed the Giants in the standings. They're half a game up on the Giants. And the second wildcard team and the Phillies are the first wildcard team pulling away a little bit, three games ahead of the Giants. So they need to turn it around and they need to turn it around quickly. Will they do it? I don't know. But the way they've been playing recently, it's hard to have a lot of faith and confidence. And that's why I say, you know, these guys need to perform. Guys like Kyle Harrison, they kind of need him to perform. And so we'll see if he does. It's a lot of pressure on a kid, but we'll see. Anyway, my speculation as to what the roster moves will be, it's tough because, like I said, a 40-man move is requ- is required for both DeYoung and Kyle Harrison, and obviously a 26-man move is also required. I should probably check Twitter right now in case that move has been announced by the team, which it doesn't feel like doesn't look like it has. I do get the updates from the team, thankfully. But so, I mean, you could say like DFA Johan Camargo, but I think that Camargo has been decent enough that that wouldn't be my first guess. And especially because he hits lefties well, and you could do that weird thing where you've got DeYoung starting against righties, or you could just start DeYoung every day and then say, so long Camargo, perhaps. And you've got Mark Mathias in AAA ready to come up if needed to fill a similar role there. But, you know, they could, they could option a couple players off the 26-man roster. Like, you've got a bunch of players who could be optioned, like Casey Schmidt, Elliot Ramos, Luis Matos, Wade Meckler himself. And that would be about it from the optioning perspective. You've also got DFA candidate. You, oh, Sean Jelly could be an Jelly is definitely a candidate here. And I don't know if it's a DFA. I don't know if it's an option. Like if you just option him, you still haven't solved your 40-man issue where you need to clear a spot. So somebody's got to either get Two people either have to get DFA'd or placed on the 60-day injured list. And I don't, off the top of my head, see... I mean, Ross Stripling went on the IL again. He could possibly be a 60-day IL candidate. Basically, the answer is I don't know. And speculating is kind of pointless because we're going to find out in a matter of hours. But expect that you could see some significant names designated for assignment today. That's my takeaway. Or they often do the kind of most boring and they do the thing that makes it so they don't lose the player as much as they possibly can. Like if they could put a guy on the 60-day IL, they would do that instead of having to DFA a player. But we'll see. We'll see. I think... Maybe there aren't candidates for that, so it may be some some DFAs coming up and could be off the Major League roster. Anyway, that is all the time we have for today. Thanks again for making Locked on Giants your first listen every day. Every day is tomorrow, breaking down Kyle Harrison's MLB debut and the roster moves that get these guys onto the roster. Uh, thanks again for making Locked on Giants your first listen every day. And... 
Once again, my name is Ben Kaspik. Check me out on Twitter at Ben Kaspik, K-A-S-P-I-C-K. If you like this show, please consider rating it or leaving a review. It helps me out a lot. So thank you in advance. And thanks to everyone who's done so already. I cannot wait. I cannot wait to be with you again tomorrow. Thanks again for listening. You are now Locked on Giants.